Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us again this evening. Um, as you can see, um, we made some changes um, in the, with our worship today. We are trying to um, be a little bit more creative um, uh, with our worship, and um, today we were um, able to bring some of that to you. Um, for those of you who are also joining us, even now um, haven't had a chance to see the early part of the video, um, you will also notice that I did. Um, we were out in the park, um, in the trails, and I spent some time um, also sharing what we're doing out there, and also to read Isaiah chapter six. Um, and I also wanted to take some time this evening to to do that again this um, evening for those of you who are joining us late. I will read from Isaiah chapter six. Um, verse 8 through 13, we're just going to read those uh, couple of verses, and then we're going to just, uh, we're going to jump right into our sermon um, this evening. So thank you again for joining us, and if you have your Bible, I would like to encourage you to turn with me to Isaiah 6 and verse 8 um, through 13. I'll give you a minute to find that for those of you who are looking up, uh, look at your Bible passage. In the meantime, um, I'll ask those uh, to join me in prayer. Father, we thank you today, Lord, and we want to acknowledge you again. God, that we can look to you, Father. You alone are worthy of praise. You alone are worthy of glory and worthy of honor. And God, we come today to worship you. We come today to lift up our holy, our holy hands and lift up our voice in adoration to you, to you alone, O oh God. And truly, Lord, we pray today, Father, that through your word, once again, you will speak to us. Through your word, God, and the power of your spirit, that you will open up our hearts and open our understanding, God, that we can receive from you. Lord, we may come with, uh, we may come with many different things before you today, Father. And you know each and every one of us. You know, God, the things that are hindering us, the things, God, that uh, we're struggling with, the things, God, that stand as, a, as an obstacle between us and you, Father, as in our walk and in our relationship with you. I pray this evening, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will remove those things. And Lord, search us and help us, O oh God, like Isaiah, to surrender our lives to you and surrender our lives to your calling, surrender our lives, O oh God, in obedience to you and to your word. God, I pray this evening that hearts will be touched and lives will be challenged. So we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of this people dull and their ears heavy. And blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people. And the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removed the people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And, and though a tent remaineth in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is God's word, and we thank God for his word today once again. 
Okay. Um, so the past two weeks, for those of you who have been joining us, um, will know that we um, have looked at uh, the vision of God, and then we looked at the vision of self, in both in Isaiah passage. A vision of God, and I want to remind you, speaks of God's holiness. A vision of self speaks of our unworthiness before a holy God. So you have a vision of God and a vision of self. Today we're going to look at a vision for the lost. You see, brothers and sisters, the vision of God leads to a vision of self. And a vision of self help us to look inward in our own life to see our unworthiness. So we have to see God first. It's only until we come to know who God is, then we'll be able to know who we are. And that's what we've been focusing on for these past two weeks. When we see how unworthy we are before a holy God, we come to the realization, brothers and sisters, that only God can remove our guilt and shame, and only God can forgive us of, of our sins. You see, a vision of God and a vision of self lead us to a vision for the lost. It opened our eyes to see what God wants us to see. And our focus this week is on Isaiah's response to God's call upon his life and his willingness to surrender to that call. And Isaiah, like we saw, um, we're going to see today, Isaiah surrendered to the call of God upon his life. God not only calls us to repentance, but also God calls us to go and make disciples. See, there is an active participation on our part to surrender our lives, to surrender our lives and walk in obedience to God's uh, command. Isaiah, for the first time, heard God's voice. For the very first time, he heard God's voice, a voice that is so mighty and thunderous, but yet God's voice is so distinct that Isaiah was not afraid. There was no reason for him to hid himself from God because his sins are forgiven. He knew that his lips were clean. He knew that he was no longer the same Isaiah. And that's what happens when God takes hold of our lives. What he does, he changes it. When God forgives us of our sin, he makes us clean as vessel to be used for his purpose and for his glory. And that's what God is doing in our life. Isaiah responds to God when he heard the call. He said, here am I. Send me. Now, not, not here I am. Send me. I mean, the, English, the ESV that I just read here today have here I am. The King James says, here, I, here am I. Send me. There is a big difference between here am I and here I am. Now, let me just share that with you. What's the difference? You see, when God, when Isaiah responds to God and says, God, Lord, here am I, send me. Isaiah was at that point willing and ready to go where God commands him. As God bid him, Isaiah was willing and ready. But when we say, when if Isaiah had responded to say, here I am, what basically Isaiah was going to say to the Lord 
in his response. This is where you can find me. It speaks of a location, but not our willingness to go. So that is the difference. One speaks of my willingness to go. The other is, here is my location. This is where you can find me. So Isaiah's response was very, very, very clear in his response to God. He says, God, I am willing to go where you bid, where you command, where you lead. You see, when God calls us, our response should be just like Isaiah. Here am I, here am I. send me. And you and I, brothers and sisters, must be willing and ready to go. Willing and ready to, to surrender to God's call upon our lives. It is a humble readiness and complete trust in God. That's what we do. We come humbly and ready before God. To say, God, whatever you say, God, whatever you, wherever you lead, I will go. And the question that I want to ask each and every one of us this evening, how many of us are willing to respond to God's call upon our lives? I'm going to read that. I'm going to say that again. How many of us are willing to respond to God's call upon our life? God's call upon our lives to repent God not only calls us to repent, but God also calls us to turn away from our wicked ways. And God calls us to walk in obedience to His Word. And that's what God does in and through our lives. He calls us to repentance, then He calls us to walk in obedience to His Word. Now this evening, I want to I take a quote from J.C. Ryle. For many of you who are acquainted with, with J.C. Ryle, and Jesse Ryle said this, and I love this about, about, about uh, this statement when he talks about who we are as believers in Christ. Um, and I will quote, he says, It is still the burden, burden duty of every disciple of Christ to do all he can in person. And by prayer to make others acquainted with Jesus. Where is our faith if we ne- neglect this duty? Where is our charity It may be well questioned whether a man knows the value of the gospel himself if he does not desire to make it known to all the world. And Jesse Ryle is talking about when we come to Christ, our willingness to surrender our life, not not only for God to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but that we, 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 we become obedient to God's call to go and to make disciples. Called to share the good news of the gospel with friends, family, and neighbors. You see, brothers and sisters, Isaiah did not hesitate. When God called him, Isaiah did not hesitate. He did not ask where and when. He did not question God if the journey will be easy or not. He did not say say to God, wait until he had accomplished Everything in life to surrender to God's calling upon his life. No, no, no. Isaiah did not do that. What Isaiah did, he never asked God for a blueprint. Brothers and sisters, he never said, God, give me a blueprint of what the mission or the journey would look like. He was willing and ready to surrender to God's call. Not knowing, brothers and sisters, that the journey ahead would be a difficult one. And the people would reject his message. Isaiah had no clue that the people would reject his message. 
That God would cause the people's ears not to hear and their eyes not to see and their heart not to open to his message. When Isaiah, when, when God says, Isaiah, who will go for us? Isaiah responds willingly, not knowing all these things. And then God said to him, I, after Isaiah responded, God said to him, go and say to these people. Hear what Isaiah has to say. Hear what God says. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. To make the heart of these people dull and their ears heavy. And blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So one important lesson to learn here is this. You see, Isaiah Isaiah humbled readiness to trust God was more important than the mission that was ahead of him. Let me say that again. Isaiah readiness, humble readiness to trust God was more important than the mission that was ahead of him. Our willingness and obedience is more important, more important than the places God will send us or the people God will want us to be. It is our obedience and our willingness that is more important than the places It's not about the country, it's not about the places, it's not about the people. But it's our obedience and willingness to be, to surrender our lives to God's call. And that's all God wants. God wants our obedience. God wants our willingness. God wants us to surrender everything before him so that he can use us, so that we can be vessel fit for the master's use. And then when Isaiah heard what God wanted him to say to the people, Isaiah responds in verse 7, he says, For how long, Lord? How long do you want me to do this? And here is, here is God's answer to Isaiah. Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left desolate and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tent remain in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the turbine and the oak tree leaf stump, when they are cut down, so, so, holy, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. And that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. God scattered them. God, the Babylonian and the, and the captivity, the Babylonian captivity took them away. But before all of that came to pass, Isaiah preached for the next 40 years, brothers and sisters. And no one responded to his message. No one responds to Isaiah's message. Exactly what God said. Their ears will be deaf. Their hearts will be hardened. Their eyes will not be, see, will be able to see. God caused them. Bring such judgment upon them because of the hardness of their heart. The wickedness. Of their life that they were living. And how would you feel if you were in Isaiah's shoe? How would you feel if you were in Isaiah's shoe that for 40 years you were preaching to such a, uh, to your own people and they rejected your message? But let's turn around, let's take a moment and look at Noah. Three times the amount of years, Noah preached for 120 years. And no one listened to him. But no one knew for certain 
of this one thing, brothers and sisters, that God's word will come to pass. And we all know the story of Noah. And only Noah and his family, eight people were saved when God brought judgment upon the world through flood. So what Noah, these two men had in common, Noah and Isaiah, had in common was that their willingness, and they were willing to do what God called them to do. If you, if you preach for 40 years and you're discouraged, then think about Noah. 120 years. People laughing and mocking and scoffing and rejecting your message and think that you're crazy. But they were willing to do what God called them to do. To submit to God's calling upon their lives. Hebrew chapter, Hebrew chapter 11 and verse 8. Another, another great Man of God, by verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham. Abraham, when, he, when, he, when, when, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham had no clue where he was going. Noah had no clue that the people were not going to listen to him for 120 years. And Isaiah, Isaiah knew that God was going to send him to a people who was going to reject his message. And even for 40 years, he knew, he knew, but he never gave up. Was never in that place of saying, God, why did you do this? No, he was willing and and. and and obeying God's word and God's command. Let me say something to you this evening, brothers and sisters. God's calling upon our life, God's calling upon our life is never, never, never about the journey that is ahead of us. And I said that earlier on, that God's calling upon our life is never about the journey that is ahead of us. But it's about our willingness to surrender to that call. It is our willingness to be obedient. John chapter 6 and verse 7. Let me read that to you. When Jesus' disciples ask him. And, and, and Jesus is going to bear uh, 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 conform also. Not only from Isaiah. But also what's going to happen to people in the last days. John chapter 6 and verse 7. And when, when he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey. Except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. This is Jesus in John 6 sending his disciples to say go. Take no money. Take no bag. Take no staff. Don't worry about the things that you have to carry. Don't worry about your stomach. Don't worry about your sandals. Don't worry about anything else. I will provide. I am the one who will meet every need. And this is when he sent out the disciples for the first time in John 6. And here, we are called to go to a world, to a people, to people that will reject our message as well. But one thing we are certain of, that God will fulfill his word. You see, God, God's promise is not about the journey that is ahead. The journey we know that will not be easy, but what we do know is that God will go before us. God will go before us. He will take care of what is ahead of us. 
if we are willing to surrender our life to allow him to lead us allow him to do what he wants to do with us and like i said jesus disciples ask him why speak to the people in parables in matthew chapter 13 and jesus turned to them and says why 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 do you speak to them that's what the disciple says why do you speak to the people in parables and he answered them to you, to you, every one of his disciples, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Sounds familiar to what, what we read in Isaiah? But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, the more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables because seeing, hear what Jesus says, this is the reason why I'm speaking to the people in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus said this and then he, then he continues to say, indeed in their case the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says that. And then he will quote Isaiah, the, the passage that we read here earlier on today, that, that the message that God gave to Isaiah, seeing they will not see, hearing they will not hear. And here Jesus is conforming and speaking the same very thing to the people that even those people that he is talking about, even in Jesus' day, their heart was hardened towards the gospel. They didn't want to hear the truth. But as believers in Christ, just before Jesus, just before his death, just before his departure, Jesus gave us the great command and great commission to go in all the world. Matthew chapter 28 says, Go therefore, that is the calling that God has upon every one of our lives. It is not to say, come to me so that I can forgive you and cleanse you from all your sin. But here is the command that he gave. Not to go and build houses and barns. And this is not a prosperity doctrine. This is not a prosperity gospel that I'm reading here to you. This is not a get rich quick scheme. When it comes to Jesus and everything will be, everything will be well and okay. This is not the gospel, brothers and sisters. Here, here is the message. Here is the command, the great command, the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. And here the other part, not only to make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The reason, why, the reason why we are commissioned to go and make disciples, brothers and sisters, is because we are not going in our own authority or to bring men to faith in our own strength. If we read the verse before verse 19, which is verse 18, Jesus said, All authority, is, all authority comes from Him. He says, All authority is given to me so that I give you and then he says go in all the world 
Then he sends out his disciple because that authority is coming from him and not from us. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit that does that in our lives. But we must be willing and obedient to surrender our lives to God's call. Many people read the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples, but look at the verse carefully, go therefore. Therefore means Jesus was referring to verse 18, which says, all authority is given to me, now therefore go. Because when we go, we are going with his authority. Isaiah knew that when God says go and he respond, he was not going with his own strength, whether it takes 30, 40 years, 50 years. Isaiah says, yes, Lord, I will go because you're the one who's sending me. And God is doing the same work in and through our lives today. When Noah responded to God's call and God says, Noah, preach and tell these people that I will judge the world. Noah was obedient. Noah responded to that authority, to that call upon his life. When God called Abraham, Abraham didn't know what it would look like for him, but he knew that he was willing to submit to that authority. And even so, you and I are called with that same command. You and I are given that same command today to go and make disciples of all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things. We are commanded to go and make disciples. Now I'm going to take a few minutes here to talk about how do we make disciples? A lot of people talk about discipleship. But how do we make disciples? The verse says, go and make disciples. Then it says, when they come to faith, baptize them. So that, they, that baptism is, is not the means for them to get saved. Baptism is an outward expression of their faith and their walk in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus is teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you. Teach them the word. Encourage them. Show them what it is. But how do we make disciples? A lot of people talk about discipleship, but we don't, we don't, we don't practice that. See, see, and I'm going to share a few things here this evening. Discipleship making is not only to stand on the street corners and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is more than just seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ. But what you do with them when they come to faith? What do you do when they surrender their life to Christ? Discipleship making has to do with walking alongside them. Discipleship making has to do with teaching them. Those who come to faith to walk in obedience to God and his word. Walking in obedience to Christ's teaching. Discipleship making has to do with all we do, everything that we do each and every single day to encourage believers to grow in their relationship with Christ and also to become disciples themselves. You just don't come to faith in Jesus Christ and say, that's it. No, no, no. Every one of us are called to share the good news of the gospel. We're called to go... In to our friends and to our family and our neighbors and tell them about the good news. But how do we do this? To live it out. Discipleship making does not stop with you and me, brothers and sisters. Each of us are called 
to go and make disciples. It is about seeing others not only come to faith, it's about mentoring. It is about teaching. It is about encouraging. It is about equipping and sending out men and women to be disciples, makers themselves. Discipleship replicate, brothers and sisters. It doesn't stop with you and me. To replicate what God is doing in our lives so that in other lives it also can be replicated. Discipleship, like I said earlier, is walking alongside and teaching them, like Jesus says, to observe all things that I have taught you. Isn't that what Jesus said? That is what discipleship basically is. Teaching, equipping, mentoring. Let us look at Timothy. 2 Timothy. Hear what Paul said to young Timothy. In 2 Timothy he says, You then my child. You then my child. Young Timothy. Very young. And Paul considered him as his son. He said, You then my child. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you heard of me, Paul says, what you heard of me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. What does entrust mean to faithful men? Who will be able to teach others also? Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There are several things Paul said to Timothy that I want to share here with you as well. Because Paul is, Paul is replicating that which is now in his life. He's now making disciples. Paul, Paul understands what discipleship making is all about. He understands what it means to, 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 to go when Jesus called him to go. He understands what it is to be obedient to the call of God upon his life. And now here he is encouraging young Timothy. Now he's training and teaching young Timothy to go and do the same thing. Likewise in the lives of others. And there are several things that, that Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, preserve and proclaim the, gospel, the apostolic teaching. That's the first thing. To preserve and proclaim the apostolic teaching. Proclaim the truth of God's word, he says, to all people everywhere and in all places. He says, never ever lose that. Continue to teach God's word to God's people. Young Timothy now was not only to do only to teach. Young Timothy was also encouraged to replicate or to reproduce himself in the lives of others. And that's what discipleship is that you're seeing happening here. Discipleship making is making other disciples. See, brothers and sisters, Jesus never called us to take up arms to fight. Never call us to take up our arms to fight. He never did that. Or go to war. That was not the kingdom he is building. When Jesus talked about building his church, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It was not with guns and arms, but it's to take the good news of the gospel. Jesus took 12 ordinary men, ordinary men, and charged them, not only, to, not only to change their life, but he also charged them to go. And that is the commission that they were given. They were simple, ordinary men 
that changed the entire world with their message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today God is calling ordinary men and women, you and me, who are willing to go and to teach others to do the same, to equip others, to encourage others, to train others, to mentor others. And this is how we are going to change the world, not with guns and ammunition, brothers and sisters. When simple, ordinary men and women are passionate for the lost and are willing to go and share the good news of the gospel, are willing to say like Isaiah, Lord, here am I, send me. That is the call of God upon our lives. And Paul will remind the church in Rome, he says, how will, they, how will they call upon him whom they have not believed? How will they call on him? That is God. That is Christ. How, how are they going to call on him whom they have not believed? Paul asked. How are they going to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? How are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, Paul says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. The good news says, How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. The good news is about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is about the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the message we bring to people every single day. But here Paul says in the 16th verse, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as Isaiah says, Lord, here he's quoting Isaiah, the same Isaiah. Lord, who has believed what has, he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. They will not hear. They will not hear. They will not, faith will never come unless they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is why salvation is by, by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. It is God's grace. It is through faith. It is through preaching of the gospel that faith comes. It is through preaching of the gospel, of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings men to, to faith so that they can surrender their life. And that's what we are called to do, brothers and sisters, simply surrendering our lives. To God's call. And that calling could be anything, brothers and sisters. That calling could be anything. We don't have to go when he called them, when, he, when, they go to, when, he, when they were in Jerusalem. In his ascension, he said, go in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. But he says, go into Samaria, into Judea and into Samaria and then to the uttermost part of the world. And we sometimes don't have to take a plane to fly and go to, to other places before we can preach or we can tell others about the love of Christ or we can tell them about the good news. You have your neighbors, you have your friends, you have your family, where you work, the people you engage with every single day. In your heart, in your spirit, they must know and, and what they see through your life must be a witness and a testimony. The question that I want to ask, how many people that, we, that surround us every single no, day know that we are a Christian? 
Know that we are a believer. Know that we are a child of God. How many of them has ever heard the gospel from our mouth? How many times have we ever stay and tell them about the love of God? How many times have we ever tell them that Jesus loved them? How many times have we ever even tell them? About what God is doing in your life. And you may say, well, I don't have to go to places. But yet, yet your obedience, yet your obedience to God is to tell others. Share what God is doing in your life. You may not be called to be a preacher. You may not be called to be a teacher of the word. But what you do every day in your walk and in your relationship with Christ should reflect that, brothers and sisters, as a testimony of what God is doing, not only in your life, but what he's able to do in their life as well. And I want you to consider that this evening when you, as, you, as, you, as you take a minute to, just to reflect on who, you know, where you are in your walk and in your relationship. How much are you doing today to, to share the good news of the gospel? When people see, what do they see? What really do they see? Noah's message was clear. Abraham's message was clear. Isaiah's message was clear. Paul and the apostles, their message was clear. Their life was a reflection of what God was doing. So I want to encourage you this afternoon. You see, Isaiah not only had a message to speak of God's, to God's people who would reject his message, but he also speak of the suffering Christ, the suffering servant, and the blessing that will come to those, not only to those who reject, but those who are going to surrender to the teaching of Christ, who are going to surrender their life. So the question that I want to ask you this afternoon, how would you respond to God's call upon your life? How would you respond to that call? And as I bring this message to a close, I want you to spend some time this week really to understand and, 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 and seek the Lord and ask him maybe in your time of devotion and in prayer and say, God, help me to respond to your call upon my life. What does that call look like? And allow God, open your life and allow God to use you. The way he chooses to use you, not the way you think to, that you want to be used. Isaiah could have says, you know, many, many things, God, that he could have wanted to go and, and yes, God call him and God charge him and God give him the authority and he could have gone there and make a mess of it. But for 40 years he learned that lesson is his obedience and to surrender. And God used him mightily. But let, not, let, not, let us not put an agenda before God. Let us not tell God what is it that we want to do. Let us ask Him what is it that He wants to do in our lives. Because the glory is never about, it's about Him. So I want to encourage you to spend some time this week asking God what is that call 
that he has upon your life. And maybe, maybe, maybe you're in line with the call of God upon your life. Or maybe it's something new that God will open up your eyes. Maybe there's a neighbor. Maybe there's a friend. Maybe there's a family member. Maybe there's somebody. Maybe God just wants you to be hospitable. Maybe just God wants you to, to open up your heart and your home and your life to people and, and, and let them see what he is doing. I don't know what it is. But it's until you surrender your life to God and says, God, use me. Take my hands. Take my feet. Let my hands be your hands and let my feet be your feet. Let my voice be your voice. God, I am here. Let me be an earthen vessel that is fit for your use. It's until we surrender our lives like Isaiah, like Abraham, and many others who have walked before. And even in today, men and women are surrendering their life to Christ to walk in obedience to his call. Don't look and ask for the blueprint or anything else. But to say, God, just use me. Whether, it's, whether it's, it's sweeping the church, whether it's wiping the floor, whatever it is, God, just use me. I pray and trust that you will see God this week and allow him to open your heart to his call upon your life. And I would like to encourage you, those of you that are, are faithful in your service, faithful in God's service and are feeling discouraged because you are not seeing the fruits from your labor. Think of Isaiah for 40 years. If you're saying, God, I have been doing this and I've been praying and I've been seeking and God, there's so many. Think about 40 years of your life preaching to a people that will never hear your message. Think about Noah, 120 years. And I know people would say, God, I've been praying and I've been seeking, I've been asking you, but yet you don't understand, you don't, you're not responding. Yes, just be obedient to what God is doing. Maybe sometimes you do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And maybe that's what God wants you to do. Continue to give, continue to support, continue to pray. But don't look for the glory. Don't look for the honor. The honor belongs to God. The glory belongs to God. It is your, it is your willingness and your obedience. So I want to encourage you. Don't be discouraged. Just continue to do what God wants you to do. And do it faithfully. Do willingly. Do it wholeheartedly. Do it with such love in your heart. Because you're not doing it for you. You're doing it because God wants you to do it. So be encouraged. Be encouraged and don't give up. And for those of you who are still struggling in your walk and in your relationship with Christ, I pray that God will give you the courage to surrender like Isaiah. Lord, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. Come bring your sin, bring your life. Repent and ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what he does. He forgives. And then he calls us to walk in obedience to him. Word. So I want to encourage every one of you today. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we give you praise and we give thanks to you, Lord, for your word. And there's so much that we can draw from it, Lord. Today we look at Isaiah, today we look at Abraham, we look at Noah, we look at Paul and Timothy. 
God, there are many, many others, God, that we can draw from. And Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit to speak to us once again, to remind us of this call upon our lives. The call to be obedient, call to our willingness to surrender our lives to you and to your Lordship, O oh God. God, wherever and whenever, God, you want to use us, our life is available. God, we must say like, like Isaiah, like Abraham, like Noah, here we are, O oh God. Use us. Take these hands of ours and use them. Take these feet of ours and use them for your glory, God. Let us be, let us be people that are fit for your use, O oh God. Let us be earthen vessels, God, that you can pour in and use for your glory, God. It is not about the journey that is ahead. It is not about what is ahead of us, O oh God, but it's our willingness to go, Father. It's our willingness to walk in obedience to you and your word. God, to make disciples, to let our light so shine before men that, that they can see the good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven, God. To shine light in, in, in dark places, oh God. To bring hope to people, God, that are lost. That they can come to know you, whom to know is life eternal, God. That this calling is not about us, but it's about you. It's not about our glory, but it's about, about bringing praise and glory and honor to you, God. And so I pray this evening, God, that hearts and lives will surrender, that men and women, oh God, wherever they are this evening, oh God, those that are within the sound of my voice, those that are listening this afternoon, God will surrender their life to you, God. And to be a light and a salt and a witness and a testimony. God, help us to be obedient to your command. Like you says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, God, that you have taught us. And so we give you praise and give thanks to you, God, for everyone that is listening, God, that you will strengthen them. Lord, and as they spend this week, Father God, just, just praying and seeking you for those that are humbly going to surrender their lives to you, God. For those that are humbly going to seek your face and say, God, how do you want to use me? God, what is that calling upon my life, oh God? God, make it known, make it real, make it in such a way, God, that they will get a sense of knowing, God, that you are calling them, Father, that you are leading them, oh God. For those that are discouraged and may not, oh God, see, God, God, the many things that they have been seeking you for, I pray, God, that they will hear from you, God. And not to discourage, God, not to be discouraged. Abraham, and Isaiah could have been discouraged for 40 years. Noah could have been discouraged for 40 years. But God, it is not about us, but it's about you and our willingness to surrender our lives to you and to your calling. And so I pray for every heart and every life this evening. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you, God, will come to know you. God, those that don't know you will surrender their life and say like Isaiah, woe is me. For I am a man or I am a woman of unclean lips. God, cleanse me, heal me, make me, break me, mold me, refashion me to be a vessel that is fit for your use, for your glory and for your honor. God, we give you praise and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen.